Welcome to With You Every Step, the solo travel podcast that explores, explains, and hopefully inspires you to travel the world by yourself. I'm your host, Michelle Lee. Welcome back to With You Every Step. This week, I'm doing things a little bit different. Due to COVID-19 taking over the world and people not being able to travel like normal, talking about travel can be hard. And I personally have struggled with this in the last few weeks. So I reached out to somebody that I don't know from around the world to see what they're doing and how they're coping and what's happening in their country. I have Rikia Basu here to talk to me. Hi, Rikia. Welcome. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for joining me. Firstly, can you tell me where in the world are you currently? (laughs) I'm right now based in Doha, that's in Qatar. So I work here. I'm an Indian, but I've been based here for the past five years. Oh, so you're originally from India? Yes. I'm from this place in India called Kolkata. Been raised in Chennai, that's in the southern part of India. But I moved to Doha about five years, exactly five years back, actually. And since then, I've been here. I've, uh, I live here with my husband. Uh, I work from here as well. So, yeah, it's like second home for me right now. And how is it right now with COVID-19? How is your country coping? Situation right now is like any other country. All the malls, all the shops are closed. The only thing that is open is the pharmacies, hospitals, and supermarkets and okay. uh, yeah everything is quite restricted we don't have we don't have a proper sh- lockdown as such unlike where like india they have a proper lockdown nothing is open you know but here there's still certain things that are open like restaurants oh really restaurants are still open yeah but they're open just for delivery oh, uh, you can't yeah. uh, you can't go there and sit and eat or you, you don't have takeaway services, but they just have delivery services. Because of the current situation, a lot of stores have started online ordering, which helps because you wouldn't want to go to supermarket as well because that's quite risky as well in the current situation, right? Mm. So people prefer ordering groceries online and they get it delivered at home. So, yeah, that's, that's more or less uh, the situation right now in Doha. Okay. It is a little bit different here in Australia. A lot of our shops are still open. They're open, well, I guess they're calling them essentials, but they're not all essentials. Some clothing stores are still open. They're allowed to be open. Yeah, they're allowed to be open. I guess the way our Prime Minister looked at it is in, if you need to go and get something, you can, but you're not meant to linger Mm -hmm. and go just window shopping. Like, go get what you need and go home. Right, right. I mean, is that is that working for you guys in Australia? I mean, how how bad is the the numbers there? At the moment, currently, it's really good. We only probably had about eight new cases within all of Australia over the last day, so we're traveling mm-hmm. really well. That's good then. We have the luxury of being a big island, and we could shut our borders pretty early, and we did. And that made a big difference. And then the biggest difference our government did is that anyone coming back from overseas had to quarantine in a hotel for two weeks. And that made a massive difference. Mm -hmm. I would relate to that because I'm a flight attendant. I flew to Australia last, I think, 
in the first week of March. Oh. We were in Brisbane. However, we were asked not to step out of the hotel at all yes. during our stay. That was like a 24-hour stay. The restrictions are quite uh, well imposed, I would say. I'm glad to know that at least, you know, that part of the world is doing well. Mm. What about in Doha? The numbers are not pretty good, actually. We've reached about 13,000 cases. Oh, wow. Yeah, and the population is not much. So it's kind of uh, worrisome when you look at it in that way. But the mortality rate is not that high. So uh, there are a lot of recoveries as well. But the, yeah, but the numbers are spiking up slowly. And what's the healthcare system like there? For you, being someone that's only lived there for five years, are you covered by their healthcare system? Uh, yes. Uh, our company provides us insurance. We are covered medically for everything. That's good. There are only certain hospitals that uh, take care of these COVID cases. So when you go to any private hospital, mostly the government hospitals are the ones that are taking COVID cases. Yeah, but my recent visit, I had to uh, visit a hospital due to something else, minor rash condition, and it wasn't just going. And I tried not to visit the hospital. Looking at the situation, it's better to stay away from these places. But I couldn't. I needed meds for myself, and I had to consult the doctor. So I, I went to the hospital about two weeks back. It was quite scary to see the situation and the number of people and the healthcare workers all dressed up in those PPEs. Yeah. And even to meet a general doctor, I had to go through a process, which is I had to meet uh, a nurse or a healthcare worker, rather, and she would ask me certain questions as to if I've traveled before. And if I've traveled within 14 days, then I don't get to see the doctor at all, oh, no matter what. Really? Yeah. And being a flight attendant... Fortunately or unfortunately, we've not been traveling that much. So my travel has been very spaced out over the past few months since mm -hmm. COVID has started. I traveled exactly 14 days before that. I went to London and I came back. I didn't stay in London. The healthcare worker asked me, when did you travel? She checked the dates and after a lot of contemplation, she said, okay, you can meet the doctor. So if I would have traveled like maybe two, three days before, I wouldn't have, I would have had to come back home for sure. Oh, well, that's not good. Do you still have a job currently or have you been uh, stood down is what we're kind of calling it here in Australia? Uh, no, we still have uh, our job. So basically uh, what our airline has done is since we're operating 35% of the flights only and we have uh, about 15,000 crew and the airline, they need to balance it out. So what they have done is they've assigned leave from our winter period mm. right now to mm -hmm. a lot of us, but they have not really uh, grounded us as such. Okay. So you're still getting income though? Yes. Yes. Okay. We're still paid. That way we're taken care of That's by good. the airline. And yeah, uh, very fortunate. I don't know how long it will last. Uh, because I'm sure even they have their restrictions. They have to run their business. It's a difficult time for all the industries right now, especially the aviation industry, travel being so restricted because of COVID. Yes. I still have certain flights to do end of this month. Oh, really? Yeah. But compared to uh, the number of flights I used to do before COVID, obviously it's, it's a drastic cut down. 
So how many flights were you doing before? In a month, I would say about 10, 10 to 11 flights. Wow. And they're all big international flights, aren't they? Uh, yeah, because Doha is a, a hub transfer point for a lot of connections, a lot of destinations. So most of our flights are major international flights out of Doha. So the flights that you're going to be doing soon, who's traveling on those flights? Are they people trying to get back to their home countries? Uh, yes. So there are a lot of people, a lot of students. In fact, the last flight that I did, there were a lot of students who were trying to get back home. I'm sure there are a lot of students in Australia. So the flight that I did from Brisbane to Doha, from Doha onwards, wherever they were going, because I stopped at Doha. Uh There were a lot of uh, students from the Asian countries. Yeah, okay. I guess they were trying to get back home. Then since they can't, there's, there's no one who's allowed to enter Doha right now. It's only transfers. The final destination would be somewhere else, not Doha for sure. Yeah, okay. And when you're working, are you in PPE? Like, do you have any coverage for yourself to protect you? Uh, Until my last flight, that wasn't the case. But I just read certain mails from my airline. Uh, They have started giving us PPEs for our flights effective, I think, today or tomorrow. Good. So they they have implemented that. You know, considering the situation right now, uh, it's, it is very essential, you know, for us to be safe as well, because if we are not safe, the passengers are not safe and vice versa. Yeah, exactly. So we do have the proper, the mask, the goggles, the, the suit. So, yeah, we have all of that now. Oh, that's good. <laughs> good to know you're going to be safe. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to, challenging and interesting to see how that works. Mm. because sometimes we have 15 hours uh, of flying time. Yeah. It's, it's tough, but I know it's essential right now, so we're quite happy with that. For someone who's a big traveller, how are you coping not travelling much and being stuck inside? <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't complain because I've been flying for the past 10 years. I've, I've flown back home as well, and then I jumped to this job to this airline so I've never really had a break as such I've been working constantly for the past many years I have had breaks but like short vacations but that's never enough right you you always need like a proper break Mm -hmm. I'm I'm enjoying it Uh, I I know it's it's not a good time Uh, it's tough time but I'm trying to make the best of it I'm getting all the time that I can with my husband at home. I'm doing my thing. I'm relaxing, trying to learn new things, trying to do new things at home. So what kind of things? Tell me. These are things that people have asked me to find out about. What are other people doing around the world? So maybe they could Mm -hmm. get some ideas or they could try and do what other people are doing. Right. I have never cooked so much. I have tried out a lot of different recipes. I've started baking. 
something I never did before. Well, I just, I, I just, I've been baking too, and I'm a terrible, terrible baker. I'm not a bad cook, but I'm a terrible baker, and I literally just made a beautiful polenta and lemon cake, gluten-free. Oh, that sounds lovely. It was beautiful, but I have a really big problem with following recipes to the tea. And as I brought it out of the oven, it looked beautiful. I let it sit for a bit. Then you have to pour a syrup over it. And then it says, wait until it's totally cold before you cut into it. But it just smelled so delicious. So I was like, ah, oh, surely it can't be too bad. And I cut into it and the whole thing just fell apart. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so it ended up a disaster. So yes, I am terrible at baking. <laughs> but I would love to know some of your recipes. I would love to share them. I've had my shares of disasters as, as well. Uh, <laughs> that like, makes me feel better. <laughs> just, yeah, just like just like you, I'm, I'm very impatient. And a sign of a good baker, I guess, is to be very patient. Yeah, I'm with, not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm completely a disaster when it comes to that. My first few tries weren't that great. But I, I think I've got the hang of it right now. Because the last recipe was, I think... Uh, a gluten-free, sugar-free cookie, chocolate chip cookie. Sounds very boring because it's gluten-free and it's sugar-free, but pretty happy the way it turned out. Okay, sounds um, delicious to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure most other people are of, thinking, Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I even got some comments on my Facebook saying, uh, I mean, is it any good? It's gluten-free, it's sugar-free. Why would you put your husband through that? I said, no, it, I mean, it's at least it's healthy, you know. You've mm-hmm. got to keep weight on check at this time because you're at home and you're eating all sorts of things. Exactly. But, you know, on the other hand, I think, ah, it doesn't matter. We're in the middle of a pandemic and if it makes someone feel better, then just <laughs> eat it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what other things have you been making? Do you have any traditional meals that you've been making? I do a lot of Indian cooking. Mmm, I love Indian cooking. It's one of my favorites. Is one it? of my favorite oh, Indian nice. curries is a sagwala. Oh, that's interesting. I've never tried that, but now that you said it, I'm very tempted to try it. You've never tried a sagwala? It's no. spinach, right? Spinach. It's. I have to admit, I'm not a very healthy person. I'm not into greens as much as I should be. <laughs> But, yeah, I, I've tried a lot of curries. I'm not that good with parathas. I'm sure you know parathas are Indian flatbread. Yep. But I do a lot of rice dishes. I love biryanis. That's mm-hmm. one thing I can't stop eating. <laughs> <laughs> and can you tell me a little bit about Doha? Sure. It's any other Middle Eastern city with a lot of skyscrapers. And it's, it's pretty good and well-developed. But then uh, in terms of doing things, it could get a little monotonous. There are a few places that you'd like to visit. Like there's a Sukhwakis here, this open area where you have a lot of uh, traditional uh, souvenirs that they sell and a lot of restaurants with traditional dishes and traditional cuisines. It's more for the tourists and uh, it's, it's lovely to hang out in the winter. You have a lot of coffee places, a lot of shisha restaurants. Also, you have the Cornicia, which is by the by the sea. And uh, the, the site there in the evening is pretty beautiful. Apart from that, there is a sea line, which is a little further down the city. Uh, shopping is amazing mm. as well. 
But unfortunately, yeah. it's all shut at the moment. Yeah, it's all shut. Uh, the malls are open only for the supermarkets. So if there's a supermarket in that particular mall, the mall is open just for that. Okay. Otherwise, all the shops are closed. Going back to what you're doing, so you mentioned watching TV shows. Yeah, I did. What are you watching? I'm so curious. <laughs> <laughs> it's a four-episode series on Apple TV. It's called The Servant. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. It's it's kind of a thriller, so it keeps you engaged pretty much. Yeah. I've been watching a few movies here and there. The last one I watched was Knives Out. Uh, it's a multi-star cast, so you should watch that one. It's, again, a, a murder mystery, so that's quite interesting. What did you watch that on? Uh, again, on Apple. Apple oh, TV. see, I don't have Apple TV. This is probably why. <laughs> <laughs> because they have quite good content on Apple TV. I just about realized that recently. I have watched a lot of shows on Netflix, but I just wanted a little change, mm-hmm. so I switched to Apple TV for a bit. Yeah, it has Chris Evans and uh, Knives Out. It's it's a good thriller. Night Out, is it? Knives Out, yeah. The Last Kingdom just came out on Netflix and I literally watched the whole season in a day. (laughs) Really? Okay, I need to to watch that. The Last Kingdom. Oh, there's a lot of seasons. So the latest one just came out and it's Uh it's very much like Vikings. If you ever watch Vikings... It's very similar. No, I haven't. set a very long time ago with men being very vicious to each other. Uh, but it's very right. good. And there's a very sexy, sexy actor in it, which is probably <laughs> the main reason I watch it, to be honest. <laughs> so that's helping me get through We COVID. all do that, Michelle. I'm sure we all do that. <laughs> how, actually, speaking of men, how are you coping with your husband? Have you had any times when you want to throw him off the balcony? <laughs> No, I think you should you should ask him that because I think I'm the more annoying, most annoying one between the the both of us. He's a sweetheart. He's always supporting me and helping me at home. Otherwise, when he's not working, he wakes up quite early, and he has to work from home, so he's always on calls. Oh, okay. So is he still working now? Yeah, he's still working. Mm-hmm. He's still working. He has a lot of projects to work on. He's working really hard. And as you know, working from home is, is much more difficult than working at the office as such because there's productivity issues and getting deadlines in time. I don't have a job where I can work from home. I'm a performer, so it's very hard for me to perform to nobody in my <laughs> I, lounge I understand. room. <laughs> so it makes it a bit hard. I can't imagine working from home. I don't even know what that is, so... No, you wouldn't be able to walk up and down your couch asking if exactly. anyone needs a drink. <laughs> exactly. I, in fact, saw a meme the other day on Cabin Crew who's missing flying so much that she starts serving at home, wearing her uniform, pretending to be a crew at home, and she's serving drinks and food to imaginary people at home. It was quite quite funny it is and who would have thought you know even five months ago that if someone said you would be hanging to go to work everyone would be like yeah right actually no (laughs) we're all can't wait to get back to work actually yeah that's true I mean I'm looking forward to the flight that I have this month just to get out of house just to see other faces yeah talk to other people and see how they're dealing with the situation Honestly, I'm I'm a little lucky 
when it comes to living in Doha and living outside of company accommodation. Normally, the the flight attendants here, they live in company accommodation. And since I got married a few months back, I got permission from the airline to move out. So I don't really stay in a company-given accommodation. Can you tell me a little bit about what that means? I don't understand. What is that? Sure. So the company allotted accommodations are only for flight attendants. You stay with crew, like you have a flatmate, you have your own room, you have your own uh, uh, kitchen and stuff, but you're sharing the house with someone else uh, who is a flight attendant as well. And you live, girls live with girls, boys live with boys. So Uh they are separate. Unless you are married to a crew, then you get the permission to live in a couple's accommodation. Okay. And that your husband is not part of the crew, you have permission to yeah. then move out altogether? Uh, yes. I I did take a permission from my airline to move out. That was a process in itself. That took a few days. At the end of it, I could move out and now I don't have to stay in a company accommodation. So that's part of the rules and regulations that you do have to normally? Uh, yes. When you move into Doha and when you join the airline, uh, they first put you in a company accommodation where you have to stay. You you are allotted. You have no choice. You're given a particular building. And then after six months, if you don't like where you're staying, you can move out into another company accommodation. But again, it has to be the airline-given accommodation. Do you know why is that? Because they, they take care of your housing. They pay for it? They pay for it. Because otherwise the rent, yeah, the rent here uh, for houses and everything is very expensive, crazy. That's one of the reasons. They take care of everything that way, your housing, your transport. But since I moved out, they still pay certain allowance, a housing allowance still for me, Mm -hmm. but it's not the entire allowance. Wow. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> there are a few rules. When you stay in a company accommodation, you are restricted to a particular time. Like you have a curfew, you cannot, you need to be home at that time and you cannot step out before a certain time in the day. You need to follow your minimum rest before a flight, like a 12 hours window, mm-hmm. uh, so that you're well rested before a flight. They make sure that you're not fatigued or tired before a flight because our flying times are crazy and you need to be at your best. Yeah. So they make sure, yeah, you're well rested. Do they give you a food allowance as well? Uh, no, no, we don't have that. And but then when, when, yeah, you, when travel, you travel, though, yeah. yeah, when you travel, they do give. But when you're based in Doha, like when you're in your office, at home, yeah. you don't get any, yeah, you don't get any allowance. But when you're traveling, wherever you're traveling, whichever destination you're at, you get a food allowance. So when you are traveling, say you go to London, Mm -hmm. do you normally get Mm -hmm. to spend a day or two there before you come straight back? Normally, you would get about 24 hours, sometimes a little lesser than that. But 24 hours is the norm. Uh, You could get more, uh, say, if you're traveling to Australia, since the flying time is much more and you need that much rest so you might get a day or two for instance when you go to us or for us when we go to new zealand for instance yeah uh, it's an 18 hours flight so you need that much rest to come back 
So then you get about two days, two and a half days. So then you get a lot of time to move around and explore a little bit. And what's the most exotic destination you've flown to? I've been to Maldives. I've been to Seychelles. Oh, I'd love to go to the Seychelles. Did you get to spend time there? Yes, I did. In fact, I went there for a flight and I loved that place so much. I came back and I planned a vacation Mm. (laughs) for five days. It was that beautiful. And I have a question about the Seychelles. Is there only couples there, though? Is there any single people? (laughs) (laughs) I I just see a, a couple of them. You have these yoga retreats as well there. So there are a lot of people who who go there to just get a break. They like to chill there by themselves. So I I don't think it's it's that bad a place for solo travelers. Well, that's good to know. At the end of this, we don't know how the world is going to be and how these small small countries are going to survive through this and how long it will take them to rebuild. But I hope that they all do and that we can start exploring the world again. If we're not able to, is there somewhere in Doha that you're able to go and visit? No, not really, Michelle, because like I said, it's it's a very small city. Doha has not got that much as of now to explore. They have very few places where you can go and hang out and chill. The only place that I could think about is, is actually quite like five minutes away from my house that I can't really go there or rather out not right now called the Corniche the Doha Corniche it's by the sea where you can just sit just look at the skyline and just enjoy the evening breeze take a walk because it's like about three to four kilometers long so that's the only place I can think of right now but again I just hope the situation gets better Yeah, I don't think Australia is going to open our borders up for a long time. There's been rumors Mm -hmm. maybe 18 months that they won't be open. So I've been trying to think of where in Australia can I travel to because I won't be able to stay still for that long. So I've been trying to think of all the places I want to go visit. There is also a little bit of a, a idea that they may open up New Zealand and Australia together so we may be able to cross mm-hmm. over the ocean to each other. But that, again, depends on how we all keep going with this virus. Right. It depends on so many things. And now it's so difficult to predict what's going to happen. Have you, have you ever traveled to this part of the world or maybe to India or I Qatar? I haven't. I've gone through, as in stopping over to go to Europe, but right. I've never gone out of the airport. Well, I hope that this situation clears up soon and that can happen so you can travel more and maybe someday visit this part of the world as well. Yeah, I would love to. And I would love to go to India one day and see the Taj Mahal, which everyone wants to go and see. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you a secret. I haven't seen the Taj Mahal myself. <laughs> haven't you? No, I'm so embarrassed about it, but a lot of us haven't actually. A lot of Indians, we don't, I mean, it, it, it's it's just human nature, right? You don't appreciate what you have in your own space and you, you go looking around the rest of the place for something else. Exactly. I've, I've, I've been to so many places, but that's one place I haven't been to and that's just like right there for me. But again, yeah, that's one of my to go less places. 
the main reason I would like to go to India, though, is for the food. <laughs> I love Indian <laughs> <Sure>. food. <laughs> but if you if you ever come to India, you should try the butter chicken and Pacific dish called uh, Rogan Josh. Mm-hmm. You should try that as well. Yeah, I've had them here. I don't know how different they are over there to here, though. I have had butter chicken in Ireland, and it was not like the butter chicken here. It was literally made out of butter. It was yellow. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) A butter chicken essentially is a bit on the sweeter side. You taste that little sweetness in it, gravy. I don't know if, if you could figure it out when you had the butter chicken there, but it's supposed to be a little sweet. Yeah, and then here it's a little bit more tandoori orange than it is yellow. Right. Okay, and do you have a recipe that is definitely like your main go-to recipe that you cook at home? I like a lot of dals. Tell you the recipe. Yes, please. I have people asking me to ask guests for recipes. (laughs) I'm like, okay, if that's what you want to hear, I'm going to ask it. Tell me the recipe because I'm going to try and I'm going to try and make one of your recipes that you tell me about. I'm going to try and do it and I'll probably put it on social media. It might be a fail, but I'm going to attempt it. <laughs> okay, that's a lot of pressure on me now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's actually quite simple. You just chop a lot of garlic, maybe like five to six cloves of garlic. Wow, that is a lot of garlic. <laughs> that's a lot of garlic, yeah. It's it's a very garlicky dal recipe. You chop one sliced onion, mm-hmm. uh, one onion, medium size. You slice tomatoes, dice them into small pieces. The first step is you boil the dal. This is called the moong dal. Okay. M O O N G. I'm not sure what it's called. What what's it called in English? But uh, I can look that up for you and let you know later if you if yes, you really like. Yeah. So it's it's a yellow color, small little pulse. I'm sure you'll get that there as well in the in the Indian supermarket. Mm-hmm. You boil that for uh, in in a pressure cooker about two whistles, two cups of water with one cup of dal. The ratio is two is to one, and okay. you boil the you boil the dal for like two three whistles. You pressure cook the dal. You keep it aside. So now in a pan you. What do you mean by two or three whistles? You know the the pressure cooker, the the vessel that normally yeah, Indian I use the pressure cooker, cooker okay? all the time, but mine doesn't do a whistle. <laughs> <laughs> no? no, okay. When you put the weight on it, when you put that weight on it on top of the pressure cooker, it's supposed to blow out like a lot of air. The pressure comes out, yeah, and we call that a whistle. Ah, oh, I'm okay. not sure. Uh, yeah. So, but so you don't know in time wise how long that would be because mine doesn't make noise. My pressure cooker is pretty good. <laughs> I think you should just leave it on the gas for about 10 to 15 minutes and it should be fine. Okay, 10 to 15 minutes. Dal, That's good. Yeah. Yeah, when you feel it's soft enough that you can mash it between your fingers, then I think it's ready. Okay. It, you're good to go. So you keep that aside. You take a little oil in the pan. You throw in the garlic. You throw in the chopped the slices of onion. Mm-hmm. You saute that. And then if you have ginger garlic paste, that would be better, but if you don't have it, then you can just put little chopped ginger pieces, like mm-hmm. maybe one teaspoon, like the measuring spoon, yep. and you saute that as well. Then you throw in the tomatoes. You saute that as well. You put some spices now. So you put a little bit of salt, 
you have a little bit of turmeric powder, like turmeric. half teaspoon. Yeah, half a teaspoon. Yeah. One teaspoon of uh, well, I like to put two, but I don't know everybody's spice levels. I say one teaspoon of red chili powder. Chili powder. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I knew you were going to say chili when you said you don't know how other people like it. That's one thing when you go to an Indian restaurant and they go, how hot do you want it? I go, oh, medium. They like my medium or your medium? Like, no, my medium is probably a mild maybe. <laughs> that that could be a tricky one. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd go easy on the chili powder because I love spicy, but my husband can't take it. So I, I go mm. easy on the chili powder. And so you going easy is two teaspoons? No, one teaspoon. Okay. <laughs> if I go crazy, then I'd probably put three. So, okay. yeah, one teaspoon is good for now. Yep. And then you put little, uh, a little teaspoon of coriander powder. Mm. And you saute all that. You saute them well till the tomatoes are nice and mushy. And it all becomes into this nice, lumpy paste. And the oil is secreting out of the the, the mixture. So, once that happens, you throw in the dal that has already been boiled. Mm-hmm. You throw that in. You stir it well. And you bring it to boil. You just taste if the salt is fine. And you garnish it with a little of, it's called, uh, it, it's basically dried fenugreek leaf. It's called kasuri methi. It's a dried fenugreek leaf, which mm-hmm. you get again in any, any Indian, Indian market. Because it's, it's, it's a very important spice for Indian cooking. How do you spell that? It's uh, spelled K-A-S-O-O-R-I space methi. That's M-E-T-H-I. Okay. Kasuri methi. So you crush that and you just garnish it on top, pour that into a nice bowl and have it with rice. Mmm. So you have that on top of rice? Yeah. Nice boiled steamed rice. Couldn't you eat that by yourself? It sounds like it's substantial enough to eat by itself. You can, you can have it by itself like a lentil soup of mm. some sort oh i'm gonna give that a go that sounds delicious but please do let me know how it turns out I, I, and, and and if you don't have the ingredients you can just put whatever you like it will still turn out pretty good i'm sure i mean if you don't have kasuri methi it's fine you can put some chopped coriander aha uh-huh. i was gonna say what would be a substitute because that would be the only thing i think i don't have yeah i'm sure everything else is there in your kitchen already yeah. It's pretty basic stuff. Yeah. But apart from that, yeah, if you don't have the garnish, you can always put some coriander leaves. Oh, that sounds delicious. I think I might have to make that tomorrow <laughs> night. <laughs> Please do let me know how it turns out. I'd love to know. <laughs> I will. I'll end up putting it online, showing people how terrible of a cook I am, but I'm going to give it a go. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sure it'll be fine. Go away. Well, what else do we have to do right now? And I think that's a good idea and that's a good recipe. It sounds like with that amount of garlic, it's going to boost your immune system. That's for sure. <laughs> garlic does the trick in any dish. Trust me, if you don't know what to put, just just chop in some garlic. And I, I love garlic. So for me, they're everywhere, apart from my cakes, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wouldn't go so well in baking. Oh, we've just found why your baking is not so good. (laughs) (laughs) So what have you tried in terms of uh, baking? Yeah, apart from the... The polenta polenta. cake. (laughs) 
that, that was deliciously a flop. I have made <laughs> some choc chip cookies and Ooh. again, I go a little bit rogue with recipes and I just feel like my idea would be better than what's in the recipe. And I don't know why I do this. And I added some marshmallows to it. And again, it didn't work very well. They just went really chewy and it just did not, I shouldn't have done it. (laughs) It wasn't in the recipe, but I just felt like it. So anyway, I did that. I did some honeycomb, which the first time I did that, I did that wrong because I forgot how I normally do Uh it. And then I did it again and it was perfect. So I made some of them with, dipped them into dark chocolate and they were beautiful. Wow. Yeah. That's the only baking I've done because it's too expensive when I keep stuffing it up. (laughs) (laughs) Do you eat it all by yourself or do you get to like share it with any of your friends or? Well, no, because we're not allowed to have anyone over. So it's just me. Right. And so I try and make things that I can put into a container and not eat all at once. So that's why I Uh made things like the honeycomb and the biscuits. So I thought, oh, they will last me because otherwise I'll just eat them and I don't want to do that. I'm just really cooking because I'm bored. Yeah. That's the thing I'm going through right now because when I end up baking and then, I mean, it's so satisfying to see the result. I mean, if it turns out well, that is. But uh, after I've baked, I'm wondering, okay, now who's going to eat it? Because there's only two people in this house and I can't eat it all because then I'll have my weight issues and then I might not fit into the uniform. <laughs> I have to get back to work. So it's it's just lying in the fridge. The cakes are just there and I've just baked them. I feel bad that I can't share it with anyone. Mm, I know. Yeah, I should put a break on baking right now. Start cooking some healthy food. Do you live in an apartment block or do you live in a house? It's an apartment block. And do you have neighbors? Like, could you just like knock on someone's door and leave it on their doorstep? Uh, no, they're not that kind of neighbors here. You know, they, they like keeping uh, much to themselves. Yeah, it's just that we're not meant to be going anywhere right now unless it's essential. So I can't drive anywhere to – it's a fine, actually. So we have a $1,600 mm-hmm. fine here if you're found doing the wrong thing. It's pretty serious. Is there any restrictions like that in Doha? That's the thing. We don't really have such restrictions. We do have restrictions, you know, in a in an Uber. You can't have more than two people at once. That's I, there are not many restrictions as such. Social distancing, of course, everywhere that you go, like hospitals or supermarkets, then they haven't imposed strict, strict restrictions. Mm-hmm. I think it's about time they should, honestly. Well, yeah, if the numbers are getting higher, let's see where it goes. Mm. Well, I hope it gets better because it's awful and a lot of people are very sick. And I've had a friend in the US that told me that they're. Auntie and uncle have both just passed away from COVID and it's heartbreaking. So that's one whole family that are devastated. That's really sad. We're all trying to do our best by just staying home and stopping it from moving from person to person and that's all we can do. Yeah, that's the least we can do, just stay indoors. And trying to entertain ourselves by making bad cakes and cookies. (laughs) Rightly said. (laughs) (laughs) So for someone like yourself that's very well traveled, if money was no object, where would you travel to? I have always wanted to go to Machu Picchu. Oh, you haven't been? No, I have never been. I've never been to that, that part of the world. Oh, it's amazing. In fact, 
we were actually planning for a honeymoon a couple of months back. But since we didn't have time, I had my leave restrictions. Like, I didn't have that many leaves left. We had to settle for some other destination. But otherwise, I would love to go to Machu Picchu. It's one of my dream destinations. Mm-hmm. Peru in general is amazing. So try and spend as much time in Peru as you can. Oh, it's wow. such a beautiful country. There's so much diversity to it. There's there's a desert. There's mountains. Oh, it's just beautiful. Yeah, there's everything. You name it and it's, it's all there. <laughs> the ocean, they have it all. They really do. It's quite an amazing country. We are approaching our destination. Ladies and gentlemen, please fasten your seatbelts for the final five. Your favourite city or town? Uh, Cape Town. Really? Yeah, I really love Cape Town. I love the food. The scenic beauty is just amazing. It's a treat to the eyes. I've been to the Cape of Good Hope, the spot there. And it's just mesmerizing. I, I, I still, when I close my eyes and I want to look at that place, I can just visualize myself there. It's, it's that beautiful. Their wines are amazing. <laughs> mm. Weirdest food you've ever eaten? I tried the scorpion ones in Bangkok, you know, on one of those streets, uh-huh. those food streets. Yep. Yeah, it was just for fun. And I was three, four drinks down and everybody <laughs> challenged me and I had to go for it and I wouldn't do that again that was weird (laughs) was it crunchy yeah it was crunchy I am glad I couldn't taste much because I think it was just a lot of salt and spices this lady had put into and it was just fried beaches or mountains uh beaches a tourist site that you recommend is a must see it's more like a memorial Mm-hmm. So uh, I went to the 9-11 memorial spot in uh, New York. Mm-hmm. So I feel that everybody should, and if they can, they should visit that place. It's really a very different feeling just to stand there and just be there in the moment. Yeah. Can you say thank you in another language? Yeah, I would say that in Hindi. It's uh, shukriya. And I would also say it in my own language. That's Bengali. It's Donobad. Ooh, Donobab? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's right. Donobad. Yeah, you picked it up pretty well. Donobab. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Thank you. I like, I like asking that question because I really like finding out how to say thank you in so many different places. It's very, it's very useful when traveling. May not need to use it for a exactly. long time now, but it's still good to know. <laughs> of course, always. Well, thank you so much for joining me and telling me a little bit what you're going through right now. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely chatting with you. And I hope that uh, we get out of the situation as as soon as possible. And things are better the next time I speak to you. (laughs) Yeah, and I would love to chat to you again. And we can talk all about all your travels around the world because we haven't even covered that today. But thank you so much for talking to me. And I hope you stay safe. And I hope to all my listeners that everybody is staying safe and looking after yourself and looking after those that you love. Thanks for listening to With You Every Step, hosted by Michelle Lee. We do hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, make sure you tell everybody. If you didn't, nobody likes a Debbie Downer. Please subscribe to get up to date with our latest releases and give us a thumbs up on our social media at With You Every Step. 
We love to hear from you. If you have any questions or inquiries, head to the Contact Us page at our website, michellelee.com. That's also where you'll find all our blogs mentioned in the podcasts. We love to hear from you and if we have inspired you to travel. Thanks for listening. Love life and adventure on.